Hello, hello, and welcome to Decaf, a production of the Beacon Center of Tennessee. Taylor and Mark back with you. We missed you guys last week. We were in Chicago. Mark's got his Cubs hat on. We went to a Cubs game. We actually had the best time. I think that I, I've been to a lot of State Policy Network annual meetings, and if anyone from SPN is listening right now, I always love the meetings, but we started this thing that we're doing as a staff now where it started last year in Atlanta. We did it this year in Chicago where the first night we find a MLB game and we go to the MLB game. And so last year we went to a Braves game. Braves played the Nats. It was so fun. This year, though, we went to Cubs game and I got a really cool Wrigley Field sweatshirt that I'm not wearing today because I spilled red wine on it last night. But um, I went with Mark and his wife to explore around Wrigleyville and we went to this great bar and had wings and french fries and talked. And it's just one of the most fun things, exploring a city with people and going to a sporting event. And it's no secret that Mark and I love sports. Um, so I had a great time. I, I don't know. It was so fun t- to me. Yeah, we kind of saw the worst game, but it was a very fun time. And it's, I mean, Wrigley, it's like, it's cool when you don't have to be a sports thing. You're like, this is an experience. You know, seeing Wrigley Field and watching a game there, even if you're like, oh, I'm not really into sports. It was just a cool experience. Not a great game. I wish we didn't pay so much for tickets to be like, you know, ninth row behind home play for a game like that. But it was really cool. And Sister Jean was there. My girl, Sister Jean, threw out one of the first pitches in the in the wheelchair, 104 years old. I know. You were freaking out about that. <laughs> to be candid, I got to the game, realized that I had not dressed well for the game. And so while Sister Jean was doing her thing, I was in the merch shop looking to purchase a sweatshirt because I was freezing. I just didn't prepare accordingly. Let me just say, August in Atlanta is very different from August in Chicago. That wind, honey, they don't call it Windy City for nothing. It was, it was freezing me. I was yeah, very cold. <laughs> that is not what they call the Windy City, but it is. It is interesting <laughs> to uh, looking at forecasts sometimes helps with how you dress. So kind of, you can kind of look at weather.com as a good resource for you, maybe. I will. Uh, I'll tell my people. I'll tell my people <laughs> who plan my outfits, aka me, in the middle of the night preparing for trips and shoving everything into my bag. I will make note of that for next time. Um, we anyway. Shout out to our team. Also, before we get started at annual meeting, they give out these awards for huge policy wins this year, and we are proud to have taken home the biggest win for freedom award for our work on getting right to work in the state constitution. We've talked about it a million times. Blood, sweat, tears, stress, anxiety, angst, all of the things went into this three-year process to get right to work in the Constitution. Um, Our team, rock stars, our coalition partners, rock stars, the legislators who co-sponsored this bill and then took it to their districts um, and were the chairman for their districts when it came on the ballot, rock stars, the 70% of Tennesseans who voted to protect worker freedom forever in Tennessee, rock stars. This award belongs to all of us, um, and we are just proud to be part of it. So thank you, thank you, thank you for those of you who listened to me and Mark talk about this for weeks on end as it was happening, and then who went out and voted for it. Uh, You made Tennessee a right-to-work state forever, and the award that is sitting in our office belongs to all of us. So shout out to our team and everyone else, and a huge thank you from us. Now, on to the real biz of today. In the news, you might have seen a few things. You might have seen that a few weeks ago, months ago, I guess now, Beacon came out with the zoning atlas and a comprehensive look at zoning in Tennessee and how zoning has really negatively impacted housing prices in Tennessee. And then you might have seen this week how Knoxville is doing something about it. So 
one of the things that we talk about specifically, I guess, for me and Mark's age group in particular, is this middle housing issue. The fact that there are apartments and small homes available. There are bigger homes that are way out of the price range. But this middle housing of townhomes and things for folks like us that don't need a big home but have outgrown a tiny home, uh, they're just not available. And zoning has a lot to do with that. And Knoxville is doing something about this middle housing issue. They're looking at plans to expand middle housing. Because think about it. You live in a college town. A lot of people stay after college. And so you've got these young professionals, young families, people who are looking to make a home for themselves. And there's not a lot of options. That's an issue all across Tennessee. And I would dare say in most large cities in the United States, that's this is a huge issue. And Knoxville is doing something about it. And um, we're just happy to see some of our recommendations taking hold in the state. You know, we feel very strongly that the government needs to get more out of housing and affordable housing, but laying a groundwork or putting in a blueprint for making housing like this possible, I think it's a step in the right direction. Yeah, it's not even a blueprint. It's just kind of getting out of the way and letting people do yeah. what they choose to do. And like kind of these these live, work, play communities have really taken off, especially, you know, in middle class areas where you can say, oh, you know, I we can I might not have as big of a house, but I have a, a grocery store here and, and a dry mm-hmm. cleaner and I can live there. So I mean, any anything that will make housing cheaper and, you know, keep up with the housing demand. And you know, Knoxville's one of those areas that it's a big growing area where people want to live. Yeah. So this idea that you can make yes. it affordable for people to live there, you know, renters or or people want to buy these homes. And they said that their aim is twenty five thousand houses. <laughs> Um, but it, it really would benefit so a huge. lot of a lot of things. They said it's gonna be, it's gonna benefit, you know, property values, it's gonna help local businesses. Um, it's really a win win. And this is not, you know, we have different opinions on zoning, but this is not going into some, you know, mansion area. It's like this is just kind of in the middle of the city. There's these areas and you can, you know, if you can fit more homes and kind of make this a diverse housing stock that yeah. allows people to do these you know, cool things that we have talked about is we housing is the biggest issue for all Tennesseans. And that includes you mm-hmm. know, what it costs to rent an apartment, what it costs to buy a house. And this is kind of helping to solve that problem. And all they're really asking is, hey, government, kind of get out of the way. Let us do this. And, you know, it'll be good. We don't need your help. We're not asking for money. I mean, they might ask for money at some point, which we don't like, but it's like, just get out of the way and let us build these houses that people want. And it, they're affordable options. In, in these cities that are becoming increasingly unaffordable. I know. I, I fully agree with you. And, you know, a lot of people love the city living but don't necessarily love apartment life. But these townhomes and the mixed-use space around things, like I think about the Nations in particular in Charlotte Park. There's so mm-hmm. many townhomes over there in close proximity to restaurants, coffee shops, places you can get your car fixed, places to go grocery shopping. There are so many options in that area, and I don't know why it's not a more wide, widespread model. Um, we talk about a lot in Nashville, only 11% of Nashville-Davidson County in Middle Tennessee is zoned for apartment living. That's not great. So all we're asking is for the government to consider new options. And like Mark said, we're not trying to go into Bell Need or like the Governor's Club and build apartments. All we're saying is in areas that are already zoned for more density, let's 
let's let people live there too. And, and mixed use space. I feel very passionately about mixed use space. You know, a lot of people don't like New York. Mark and I do love New York. I love how in New York, there are apartments on top of stores. And I'm not saying we need to build these huge high-rise apartments on top of stores. That's not necessary. But having living spaces on top of retail space um, makes sense. And I think it's, and, I think thinking about the past too. Like I know you know my my parents, my mom and dad both grew up in Philadelphia. You know, in, in downtown Philadelphia, they live in a neighborhood. They would have a bar on the same street. You know, they'd have a, a, a convenience store, and it was just on the same street as that. So like mixed use has been around forever. And, and this is I something know. that it was part of the fabric of the neighborhood. It's not a bad thing. I feel like there's this idea that, oh, if you put some kind of, you know, business into our neighborhood, it, it's a bad thing. It's not. In a lot of places, it's a good it's a great thing. thing. Now, granted, yeah, I don't want to, you know, a bar that's over a strip club until 3 a.m. right next to my house. So I'm not saying like yeah, everything. Yeah, Dave, Dave and Buster's in my backyard. Not my vibe. But. Well, that sounds I, awesome. You uh, would like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you but, would but, like that. And, and we're not even saying that that's like, you know, that that's something. But it's. There's some very common sense middle ground things. I'm more of a, an absolutist personally when it comes to uh, zoning, right? I really just don't don't care for zoning at all. But I think there's this middle ground that you can find. And, and we're seeing this in a lot of places where these high density cities where people actually want to live, right? Like people are saying, oh, I'm so worried that my house in Franklin or Brentwood, there's going to be all these, you know, condos and, and apartments right where I'm living. Like, no one's going to live there. People want to live in the city and it's going to be too expensive to price them out anyway. So these high density mm -hmm. areas, this is a really great idea. And I'm really glad that Knoxville, or at least people in Knoxville are starting to talk about this because this is something that's going to become a an issue around, you know, around the country. Yeah, I, I fully agree with that. And, you know, we talk about it a lot saying that um, zoning doesn't have great origins. And so the fact that people are yeah, catching on to that and doing stuff, something about it to help make housing and living more accessible i'm all for it sign me up i think it's i think it's really cool that people are really looking at that and trying to solve the housing crisis statewide so, and even out even outside of the origin it's just a it's just bad policy in a lot of places and i i, I don't mm -hmm. know how many times i have to hear from all these you know these san francisco liberals about how they want you know affordable housing for everybody They're like oh no no i don't want it in my neighborhood in downtown san francisco no i don't want that we just need to be consistent and you know Housing costs are a problem. I think no matter where you're at on the political spectrum, this is a real issue, renting and housing costs right now. So trying to make it more affordable, like just getting the government out of the way in a lot of these situations is really the best option. Yeah, we love getting the government out of the way. That's that's Put that on a t-shirt. Oh. Um, oh. Let's switch gears a little bit and talk about a national issue that I think everyone's talking about. So... I know that I am in the minority probably of people who listen to this podcast and, and do this, but I am a TikTok girly and I have seen so much on TikTok lately. I saw something this morning about the ages of people who are running our government. Um, and I have a really interesting view on this that I'll get into in a minute, but it's not great when you see our leaders seemingly struggle to make a sentence or to say words it doesn't inspire a lot of faith and a lot of confidence in the leadership of the united states on the other hand though i and i'm, I'm going to ask you what you think about it in a second mark but i'm going to speak my piece it doesn't inspire a lot of confidence to see really 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 old leaders who can't put a sentence together on the other hand when i was in my 20s I didn't like not being taken seriously because I was young. And so I feel for them in the aging process being on the other end of that spectrum and 
maybe not being taken seriously because they're old. I mean, they have this wealth of knowledge and wealth of experience. And I don't think that necessarily a number, an arbitrary number should dictate if you're capable of doing something. Because when I was younger in my twenties, I saw myself as fully capable, still not knowing a lot, but fully capable and didn't think that having a two in front of my age should say, well, you can't do this anymore. Um, and so I struggle with the other side of that spectrum as well. I don't think that you're 30s through your 60s or 70s should be the only viable years of your life. But that's my take. I just think it's bringing up an interesting conversation one way or the other about age. And are we are we talking, are we framing it in the right sense? Um, you know where I'm, what I'm getting at, Mark. But what, what are your thoughts on this in general? Because it's a hot topic these days all over social media. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, the first point is that, you know, voters are allowed to vote for whoever they want to, right? So mm -hmm. I mean, even if somebody's 90, I mean, if voters choose them, they're still, it, it's kind of insane to me that so many people are saying, you know, I don't want somebody who's over 70 years old running my government. I think there's a recent YouGov poll to like 80% of people think that. But yet, if you look at the primaries, Joe Biden and Donald Trump are both winning by huge margins. So you say you don't want to vote for, you don't think they should be president, but you still are voting for them over younger candidates. Right? Both right. Younger. So it's kind of this issue. And ultimately, I do think personally, there should be age limit as long as there's age minimums, which there is. You have to be 35 to run for president. If you're going to do a minimum, mm -hmm. then why should you not do a maximum? I mean, my personal opinion is probably. I like that. Yeah. I mean, if you're if you're old enough to vote, why are you not old enough for, to run for president? I, I don't understand where 35 came from. I don't think there's any scientific evidence behind that. And like you said, that's there is so arbitrary. Yeah. And like you said, there is a difference. And I'm not, you know, I think, you know, I, I don't, I certainly don't agree with uh, some Trump's tactics, but like listening to Trump talk, who is, I think, you know, 77 compared to listening to Biden mm -hmm. talk, who's 80, it, it's, it seems like they're worlds away. You know, Trump is coherent. Mm -hmm. You know, you can disagree with what he says and he might make stuff up, but like the way he talks, he sounds normal. Biden can't get through a sentence. Mitch McConnell can't stay awake. Uh, Diane Feinstein, it feels like it's like weekend at Bernie's where they're like propping her up. I don't I, I don't know if she's still alive. It's hard to believe. Um, I just I, I have an issue with this. But I also feel like, you know, whatever you say, the people keep voting for them. Um, they had the option. Everyone says they don't like it, but it's the same thing. Everyone's like, oh, I, I hate the U.S. House of Representatives. I hate my con I hate Congress. But you keep voting for your congressperson. So mm -hmm. I, it's just kind of this issue that people have. I personally think if there's going to be a minimum, there should be a maximum. Uh, I just want consistency or there should be no minimum and no maximum. I just think I need something consistent and we don't have that in government. right now. Okay. I can actually get down with that because I, as a young person have a fundamental disagreement with the minimum just in general. But I think if you're going to bookend it, fully bookend it, if not leave it wide open. I Mark, I actually really do agree with you. I've not really thought about it that way. I've just kind of been on a tirade about like, why aren't people in our 20s taken super seriously? Um, but either bookends or no bookends. I like that. And I think that that's something that we should maybe explore in the future um, as we're looking at public opinion. Uh, what do people think? Y'all drop, drop us a note in the comments. Drop us a note just in general. Tell us what you think if you have a better solution. You know me. I like to come up with a lot of harebrained solutions to things that absolutely could never work. But, you know, maybe we can maybe we can get something something going on this. But I, I do want to see where the public stands on whether we agree with age issues or not. I, I don't know. I mean, 
there's a lot that's been said about one particular candidate whose name I won't say, but there's one, there's lots that's been said about the age of one particular candidate for president that was said about the age of someone who was president in the past. There's, there's a lot that's said about youth when people are running for office. There's not a lot that's said about the maybe potentially aging out. So um, we want to know what you think about that. And, and, and like you said, I don't think all people are, you know, not all 75 year olds are the same. There's some who are very mentally fit who are ready totally. for the job. So it's like, and, and I don't know how you do this, but if you can do some kind of competency test, and of course the competency test would also apply to people under 35. I mean, I think that's yes. the way I view it is like, if you have some general rules say, okay, if you can complete this now, we would never agree on what's on that test. Uh, maybe my was, can, can you complete so hard. a sentence that actually makes sense? Um, but like you said, I mean, and, and it's not a, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a, saying that, you know, Biden is unfit or that Mitch McConnell is unfit or any of these people are unfit, but it just seems like they are so old and their mental capacity has declined to such an extent that you listen to them talk and you're like, I just don't, I mean, I don't know how many times I've heard a Biden sentence where I'm like, I don't, I think I don't you made, get it. I think you made a three words. I, I don't I know don't what you're trying it. to say. And it just doesn't make any sense. And, you know, it, it's just, it's frustrating. Now, people still voted for him. So, if you know, it, you can still be present with that. But I just don't think it makes, you know, our nation look great that our last two presidents have both been basically geriatric. Um, especially when I you're know. seeing other countries, like these young, passionate leaders. And uh, being young doesn't mean that you're a good leader either. But it's just hard to see these people who are clearly past their prime in their life uh, being the person, and, and mentally past the prime of their life, being the person to lead our country. Well, and you know, I always go with the heartstrings issue. I just hope that when I'm old, old, uh, someone loves me enough to, if I stand up in front of a group of people and sound a little babbly, they just get the giant butterfly net and scoop me up and put me in my recliner and turn on Jeopardy. I just, it makes me sad that someone's not saying, okay, let's. Let's retire you. Uh, so I, I that that makes me really sad. And I know that the people around them probably think they're doing good, and and they believe in them doing like no. What I mean is like good for America. Like they believe yeah. that they're out there like doing good. Um, but well, I just hope that when I'm when I get to that point, someone scoops me up and puts <laughs> me in my recliner. Politicians are the most egotistical kind of profession I think I there is. And I mean, not all of them, of course, but it's like. Do you think I, I I could just imagine somebody telling Trump his inner circle, I think you're too old to run? He would be like, I, he would gel with that. So it's like even if people do care and say this, like there's Trump doesn't listen to anybody. There's no way he's listening to somebody telling me he's too true. old. And like you know, and, and it's, I think that this is, you know, I think Biden just wants to be president. I don't know what he's actually doing. I don't know what he's actually involved in. But like, I think it's like, oh, I want to say that I'm president. So I think that there might be people around them saying that, but these people don't listen. They they want this power. I mean. Mitch McConnell, you know he loves this. I mean, whether he, he can do it well or whether he can do it fully, like, he loves being the Senate, you know, the Senate leader. So I, I think that what you're saying, maybe you listen to other people more than politicians do, but it is a very, and I'll say that it's bad or good, but it's a very ego-driven profession. I I agree. I guess maybe I just, I don't have the brain of a politician because I'd, I would want to just enjoy my last years with my family and with yeah. Jeopardy reruns and Alex Trebek. But <laughs> I, I, I feel for that. And I, I hope that, I don't know. I hope they do have people around them who love them enough to say, maybe it's time to go home, but yeah, they probably wouldn't listen. They have to listen. Um, yeah. They would actually have to listen. 
let's switch gears again. Wow, we're all over the app today. Uh, If you listened last week, we did a college football recap, a college football preview. We're going to just hit some maybe lightning round things right now and do a recap and then kind of preview the NFL season a little bit. So um, my lightning round is this. Roll Tide Forever. Um, Clemson, ha, 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 ha. Um, LSU, ha, 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 times 10. Um, and that's all I got. Mark, what was your recap of college football this week? This is going to be a really passionate recap. I am done with the SEC. I made the mistake <laughs> of betting on two of their teams. There was three contested games that were close. Every single one on the SEC lost. Florida loses to Utah without their Heisman quarterback, gets just blown out of the building. South Carolina, everyone's sleeper team who beat the crap out of Tennessee last year, just gets annihilated by North Carolina in a game that they were supposed to. LSU gets embarrassed on national TV as a top 10 team, which they don't deserve to be in the top 10 to begin with, uh, based on what they did last year, against what I consider to be a very mediocre Florida State team. I bet on LSU, so I am done. The the SEC, this is what we deal with every year, and here's what's going to happen in Eight weeks from now, when LSU is 7-1 and one, and they build these SEC teams, we're going to talk about how they're a national championship contender, and everyone's going to forget about the like you know the, the four touchdown loss they took to a team that's not even that good. And we're still going to talk I about how forget. great they are. I, I won't forget. <laughs> but we'll say, oh, oh, things have changed. They're better now. And, and you know we're going to ignore that loss because it didn't mean that much to them. I'm done with this. The SEC, outside of Alabama, Georgia, again, and maybe Tennessee, I don't want to do that, is not a good conference. It's not a good top-to-bottom conference. LSU is bad. They are bad, and I bet you they do well in the SEC. That's the craziest thing. They might still win the SEC, or at least like beat out, but I'm done with LSU. I mean, this South Carolina was supposed to be the sleeper team everyone liked. They got hammered, and North Carolina's defense, which was like the worst in Division One last year, somehow just, just shut down Spencer Rattler. Um, I'm done, and I bet on South Carolina, and I bet on LSU. I'm like, you know what? Maybe my SEC bias is taking me too far. I think these teams, you know, based on what I'm hearing, have a good – I don't like either teams they're playing against. The ACC is better than the SEC right now, I can tell you that. Both ACC teams beat the crap out of them, and they were supposed to be about equal in their conference. I mean, look at is like the fourth-ranked ACC team. It's I not know. like they're supposed to be good. I know. And, 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 I know. Florida, and Florida State – here's another prediction. Florida State will not win the ACC. Florida State or Clemson will not win the ACC. It's going to be another team. So this is a Florida State team that's going to end up with three losses, and no one's going to talk about the way that they just dismantled LSU. I'm done with the SEC. I think it's awful. I think that from outside of the top three or four, it's a bad conference. Maybe the worst major power conference teams outside of the top four. Woo! And Alabama right. Georgia well, could still win, or even Tennessee. They could win national championship. I'm not saying that. The SEC obviously wins a lot of national championships. But every time they're, they're forced – to compete with equal, you know, around equal competitors from other conferences, they lose, and yet the media will still, you know, do whatever they can to act like they're the best conference there are. Guess what? Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, those three teams could compete with the top of the SEC, and every other Big Ten team would beat the crap out of those SEC teams. I'm annoyed, I'm frustrated, and I'm even more mad at myself that I fell into this, like, oh, I think that these teams can win, because I know they're not good. They do it every year. Every time they play, it's good. And this time, like, you know what? I like South Carolina okay. I think Rattler's okay. I think Florida State's trash. Let me bet an LSU, and I like Brian Kelly. It's, yeah, I'm done. Huge, huge disappointment for Mark this weekend. And you guys, I got this exact same message. I got this exact same random message thread over the weekend, and I just had to, for my mental health, I had to block it out because I forget that South Carolina belongs to us. I hate LSU. I, like, 
you know, I'm happy. Alabama got a good win. We're going to beat Texas this week, I hope. Fingers crossed. I'm really nervous. I got bubble guts about it. Mm-hmm. But I think we're going to I think we're going to give them a good show and especially getting to play at home. But I do tend to agree with you that the SEC is not what it once was. You don't think it was ever like this, but no, I I do. Not top to bottom. The thing is they still have these great teams. And I want I want to also do another shout out in, in a bad way. Georgia looked horrible. They played UT Martin, who is not even a Division One football team, and he was like fourteen nothing at halftime. This is a team that should not even. I mean, this is uh, Jordan's alma mater. They they shouldn't even be in the same building. But mm-hmm. the one takeaway, and Alabama, I'll, I'll give them credit. You know, they look pretty good. I know they played empty as shoe, but good. Michigan, Ohio State, and Georgia are going to have serious quarterback issues. All three of those quarterbacks did not perform at the level they were hoping for. Mm-hmm. Michigan maybe less so because they had their guy back from last year, but. Ohio State's quarterback looked horrible. Georgia, they're going to miss Stetson Bennett. It's crazy, but this is not the same team. And, you know, and I, Alabama didn't play anybody. They played MTSU. So, like, we'll see if Miller can actually do something against a real defense. Still looked good, though. I mean, yeah. still seemed like we were running We were running well. And MTSU um, is clearly way better than UT Martin, which apparently Georgia had issues with. I, if I'm right now, I am really worried. I think that people are really underestimating how worried you should be as a Georgia fan. I would be really nervous because that is a bad team. Now, granted, they they decide to play, you know, five cupcake games. They don't play any real teams until the SEC They don't play schedule. any real teams. I went on a rant about that this weekend with Blake and his dad. I was, like, screaming they the Georgia schedule, the Clemson schedule. embarrassed. The LSU schedule. I was, like, scream, screaming them because I was so mad. Well, I think, that, I think that Georgia has the actual worst non-conference schedule in Division One. They play a bunch no, of awful it's teams. it's a cupcake schedule. Yeah. It's such a joke. And I hope, my hope is that we meet them in the SEC championship and absolutely dismantle them. Send them home crying to their mamas. That's that's my dream. That's my I hope and like, my dream. I think Tennessee could win. I think Tennessee could win that side. I Don't really do. Don't say that do. to me. No, I mean, I, mean, I, that I think me. that they, I think that this is their opportunity. They have a better quarterback than Georgia. Uh, we'll see. I, it's one game. I don't want to overreact because, you know, teams gel. I think that Kirby Smart is a very good coach. But I am – I mean, they had a harder time with UT Martin than they did with TCU in the National Championship game last year. They were 14 – I mean, I that's – it'll be interesting. Um, Alabama did look good, though. And I actually think this may – but I think Alabama's going to beat Texas. I'm, I'm not on the Texas train, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Um, quick preview of the NFL season. Um I know nothing. So, Mark, well, what is it? It starts tonight. <laughs> uh, I think we'll just the tight end should be really interesting. They got one of the best receivers in football with DeAndre Hopkins. Mm-hmm. I actually think they're kind of a sleeper team. You know, they have Henry back. You know, they got a great receiver. Tannehill, I think, is going to bounce back here. Um, it, it will be interesting. My Super Bowl prediction is I am going Bengals over Eagles. That is my Super Bowl prediction this year. Um, okay. I, think, I, I think Joey B uh, gets it done. I, but Jalen Hurts, I think, goes back to the, the Super Bowl. So, that's my short prediction it'll be a fun season we're excited for it yeah very excited this is my first dedicated season as a titans fan mm. because blake and i started dating last november so i'm like starting the year as a titans fan between me and his mother he's got some fresh new gear that he got for his birthday last year last week so i will be borrowing the sweatshirt that i gave him and it will be my sweatshirt and if you're listening i'm so sorry but a, uh this is my first year as a titans fan a okay. real fun bet if you're a betting person there's an 11 to 1 sleeper out there that the Houston Texans win the the division, win the AFC South. So they beat out the Colts, they beat out the Titans, and they and they win that. Everyone's on the Jaguars, but the Texans are going to be a real sleeper team. If 
you're betting the Texans are a very fun pick. And 11-1 to to just beat out three other teams is pretty high odds for a team that has some good players. They got C.J. Stroud starting from Ohio State. Um, and Damian Pierce is a personal favorite of mine. So bet Texans to win the division. It's good value at 11 Okay. Maybe I'll do one bet this year. Maybe I'll dip my toe back into betting. Blake's because... not going to like it. You're betting against the Titans. He doesn't need to know. Well, he there listens, I think, right? Things. I think he, he definitely listens to this <laughs> podcast. Uh, Blake, if you're listening, pretend that you're not. Uh, I don't want to talk about it. But maybe I'll like dip my toe back into betting a little bit this year. I do tend to have fun when I do it. So it's fun. It's we'll fun. see what happens. Sorry, sorry, Mom. She also <laughs> listens to this. Um, another controversial thing before we go. Lots of controversy today. DiGiorno came out with this crazy pizza. Half pineapple, half pickle. Martin, Mark and I both have very, very intense thoughts. Um, but let's talk about the pizza. And then let's also talk about our pizza order and whether or not it is controversial. Um, my take on the DiGiorno pizza. Pineapple has no business on pizza. That's gross. I hate all fruit. So, like, get the pineapple out of here. Pickles, though, I'm a pickle pizza girl. I've had pickle pizza before. It's so good. And so, yeah, I'm on, I'm on Team Pickle Pizza. Mark, what are your thoughts? I just think it's a hipster, like it's like a hipster thing. There, we have good toppings. No, we it's out, good. We have good pizza toppings. Look, we have pepperoni, you have cheese, you have bacon. Outside of that, you know, sausage. If you're into sausage, you can do that. I'm fine with garlic, but like, let's stop just putting everything on pizza. We've already kind of perfected the formula. You don't need to say, oh, like, and I, I like it fine, but like buffalo chicken pizza. Just get wings. You don't need yeah, to get buffalo chicken pizza. I mean, and, and it's fine. I don't hate it. There's so many things that people are just trying to like do these hipster things and put weird stuff on pizza. We've gotten the formula down. I am just a pepperoni and cheese or garlic and bacon. But like either way, and I don't need the garlic, but th those are just normal toppings. And, and you know, you can just, it, it's just crazy that people are doing this. If they, we believe in capitalism, if they sell this pizza, I don't think they're going to sell it though. It might be like a short term, I, a short term, we'll oh, like but you don't even like pineapple. So you need somebody who likes yeah, both pineapple and pickles, which are two super controversial takes. And like you need to like both, so I, I don't. It might sell for like the first week. It's like the McRib. People are excited. It's bad. Yeah, and it's they like try the to McRib. Like, oh wait, this is bad. I, I don't want this. Yeah, yeah. I think I would get it just to try the pickle one, um, but I don't think that Blake would eat the pineapple one. He might. I don't know. I don't know if he likes pineapple. That's the question I'm going to ask him. Um, I don't know if he likes it, so that probably won't fly with us. I, I am a pe like I want my pizza to be so loaded up with toppings that I literally cannot taste the crust. I want. All the vegetables, onions, black olives, mushrooms, peppers. I want all the meats, Canadian bacon, pepperoni, sausage, actual bacon. I want it to be so loaded up. There is a pizza at Mellow Mushroom, and I think it's like their house pizza. And it's got everything on it. And the slice literally falls over. You have to eat it with a fork. That's how I like my pizza. I like absolutely everything on it. I will eat it anyway. Like pepperoni and mushroom is my favorite. Um just pepperoni, just cheese. I'll eat pizza anyway. But if I am ordering the pizza to my liking, I want every single topping you have. Anchovies, throw them on there. I want every single topping except for pineapple or jalapenos because of the heartburn. But every other topping, I want it on there. And I know that that's kind of a hot take, but I love a loaded up pizza. I've done my research on this, and there is a level of diminishing returns after three toppings. It's you don't really taste <laughs> it. It's just agree. kind of it's just kind of a mishmash in your mouth. It's like it, it it's fine, but you can't really taste the topping. You're tasting everything. It's just weird. Three toppings is the absolute maximum. I, I tried to do this at um, 
what is the slim and huskies where they make your own pizza you oh put, yeah and it's like i tried uh-huh. like five things like it it just it loses its value you're not tasting the things that you want those and here's the problem you just name like 15 things there's an order of how you like those from one to 15 that's true and you want to taste the ones that you you like the most you know otherwise that's true if, uh, so I just don't believe in that. You can do whatever you want. I believe in capitalism. Okay, so and... what are so then what are your three? What are the well, three that you're well, going to put I, on I, a pizza? I, I usually just go pepperoni cheese. That is the simple thing. But uh, I go I go light sauce. I don't want to taste too much sauce in there. I want to really I agree get. With that. I really want to get the grease, the cheese, and the pepperoni melted. I, I like some sauce, um, but I'm really into the garlic crust. That's one of my things. Like yeah, the, that's good. So I just keep it simple. I want... I mean, I want like 12 toppings, but if we're going by your rules, I'm either doing pepperoni, mushroom, black olives, or pepperoni, mushroom, banana peppers. I just like, don't think those, those go are, together. Those are weird. Like, they don't really complement each other. Yes, they do. I don't think so. I, I I grew up in a pepperoni and mushroom house. Like, that was what we got I, on pizza. I can, I can stop. Those are already kind of weird, but you have to stop there. Throwing black olives in just really changes the entire taste. No, of that. it makes it so salty. I, I love just, black olives. I just think you're I eat tra- black olives with a fork out of a can. I love black olives. I just think that's you have so like weird. a trash palate. And it's like just yeah. whatever. It's just You've a weird You've always com- thought that. Yeah, but like in you a weird way. Literally those do not go that. together. I feel like you might be like blind in your taste buds. I think I have a refined palate. Nobody I think puts that 12 I enjoy- toppings on a pizza has a refined palate. That's what six-year-olds who dig in the trash eat. Like, that is not a refined palate. Okay, so before I take any more of a beating, <laughs> I'm going to sign off. And I, you know what? Maybe I'll go get a Supreme pizza from Kroger for lunch with the thick, stuffed, cheesy crust and well, just like enjoy <laughs> every bit of it. That's what I'm going to do for lunch. Let us know what you think about the DiGiorno pizza, though. Drop it in the comments. We want to know what you guys think. And if you get it and if you try it and if you don't get sick, we want to know that, too. Um Thanks for listening to Decaf. If you haven't already, you should subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are so thankful to be back with you this week. Thanks for listening. And check us out at beacontn.org. See you next week.